Children, I have a question for you this morning. In the midst of this crazy week, did you get to play in the snow? Did any of you get to go outside? No school. It's amazing what snow does to a city like ours, especially when we're not used to it. We don't know what to do with it, do we? And yet every child, even if your family was going through something hard this week, every child, when they touch snow, there's joy. And it's amazing, even the worst landscape looks beautiful in snow, doesn't it? It just makes things magical. But you know what happens after snow? As Texans, we're not just not used to snow, we're not really used to the after snow part. You know what happens? What does the snow become? Mud. So I have a second question for you children. Did any of you play in the mud yesterday? Do you like to get dirty? Yeah. You like to get muddy? Yeah. It's fun, isn't it? I want you to imagine something this morning, children. I want you to imagine getting really muddy. I want you to imagine yourself covered head to toe in mud. And then I want you to make a promise. You're not going to do this today. All right? Don't do this to your parents. But I want you to imagine yourself covered head to toe in mud. I want you to imagine yourself coming to your back door and seeing your mom or dad covered head to toe in mud. And you can kind of feel the mud getting dry. And it feels kind of bad. And you know that you, you need to wash off. And I want you to imagine your mom or dad looking at you, muddied head from head to toe. And this is what they say. You know what? I think you're fine. Just don't get any more mud on you. If you don't get any more mud on you, you'll be just fine. It sounds silly, doesn't it? Can you imagine going to school the next day, muddied head from toe, and telling your friends, and they say, well, why are you muddy? And you say, well, it's fine, as long as I don't get any more mud on me. You see, we're about to hear a passage that describes a bunch of people called the Pharisees. You know what they thought? They thought as long as they didn't get any more dirty, as long as they didn't get any of the dirt out there on them, then they would be clean. What they didn't realize is that they were already dirty. They were dirty on the inside. And so let's stand for reading of God's word. So we continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition, 
For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to him, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, And when he entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared, All foods clean. And he said, Whatever comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, adultery, murder, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I wonder if you've heard that before. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Maybe your parents said it to you when they were trying to get you to clean your room. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Personally, I always felt condemned by that phrase because I wasn't very clean. My room was always messy, clothes everywhere. I was just kind of a messy kid. And so when I heard the idea that cleanliness is next to godliness, I thought I wasn't very godly because my room was messy. Now maybe that's what parents want our kids to think in some twisted way. But see, that phrase, if you trace it all the way back, it, it actually it goes all the way back to a statement that was made by John Wesley in the late 1700s. And you can actually trace the idea, the sentiment of cleanliness is next to godliness all the way back to the oldest parts of the Bible. You see, it was an Old Testament idea, not about cleaning your room, but this idea that holiness, godliness, is about being clean. And and sinfulness, brokenness, disobeying God is being dirty. All the way back in the days of Moses, there were these rules, these laws given by God designed to help the people of God be clean. And in the same way, to help them understand that when you break God's commandments, that makes you unclean, it makes you dirty. It's why even to this day, when you do something wrong, you feel dirty, don't you? You feel icky. That's why. And so this morning, as we come to this passage in the Gospel of Mark... I want to ask you a question. Do any of you feel dirty this morning? Do you feel dirty over your sin and shame? 
Because this morning what we're going to see is three ways that sin makes us dirty. But we're also going to see why Jesus Christ is the only one who can make us clean. The first thing I want us to see, I want us to see the smell of hypocrisy. I want you to look with me at Mark 7 verse 1. Mark tells us that when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus, some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. Now, as we've seen in the Gospel of Mark, there are this group of people called the Pharisees. They were law followers. They did everything they could to perfectly keep the law of God. The name Pharisee literally means separate ones, and that's exactly what they tried to do. They tried to separate themselves from everyone else who is seen as unholy or unclean. We see this in verse 2. They saw that some of the disciples ate with their hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So here's the Pharisees. This group of people that wanted to see themselves as holy, to separate themselves from all of these dirty, unclean people in the sight of God, they saw themselves as clean, themselves as pure because of what they could do, and then they saw Jesus, and they just saw his disciples, and they were eating without first washing their hands. Now, the first thing you have to know is this is not a hygiene issue. Their, their problem with the disciples is not, hey, wait a minute, that's, that's dirty, that's, you're going to get germs. You know, you, you need to go wash your hands before you eat. This has nothing to do with hygiene. This is about spiritual cleanliness. You see, they followed a Jewish ritual that said they had to constantly wash their hands before meals, not out of hygiene, but out of being spiritually clean. Mark goes out of his way to explain this to us in verse three. I want you to look with me. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. I mean, the Gospel of Mark is known for its brevity, its simplicity, and yet he goes out of his way to explain to us what's going on here. The Pharisees washed everything. Because in those days, Jewish traditions said you had to constantly wash in order to be clean or pure or holy or godly. So not only did they wash their hands, they washed everything, and all this went back to the law given to Moses in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus tells us about a wash basin that the priests would clean themselves in before they went to make sacrifices at the altar. And eventually that idea became a tradition that was practiced in all kinds of things. And so these Pharisees have come to the disciples and they've caught them in the act. Yeah, you haven't washed their hands like we wash our hands. What's wrong with you? In college, I had a friend who struggled with obsessive compulsive disorder. The way it manifested itself the most was through washing his hands. 
He would wash his hands so often that they became dry and cracked, and so he would have to constantly use moisturizer to retain moisture in his hands, which made them feel dirty, so that, you guessed it, he would wash them again. And around and around and around this went, constantly, compulsively washing his hands. It sounds crazy, but that's exactly what these Pharisees did compulsively washing in order to try to make themselves clean. I wonder, does that describe you this morning? Maybe not physically actually washing your hands, but do you find yourself, if you're honest, compulsively trying to constantly make yourself clean? I asked you, do you feel dirty? Do you feel dirty over your sin? You see, ever since this idea of cleanliness being godly and dirtiness being sin, we have tried to clean ourselves up as people, and it never works. And so we're constantly putting all of this effort, all of this energy into making ourselves clean, but we can't. And that's what the Pharisees couldn't see. Verse five, they asked Jesus, Pharisees and scribes asked him, what do your disciples, why do they not walk according to the tradition of elders, but eat with defiled hands? Notice the accusation. Why do your disciples, and notice what they say, not walk in the tradition of the elders? They're not saying, why do they not walk according to the Bible? No, they're more concerned about their own tradition. And Jesus answers back in verse six. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? Now, you've probably heard the word hypocrite before. What you might not know is it's actually a Greek word. The word hypocrite is a Greek word, and it literally means those acting apart. You see, in those days, an actor would put on a mask It was called hypocrisy, not how you and I think of hypocrisy, but a a hypocrite was a person who would put on a mask to act in a play. Their costumes were masks that would put a different identity on their face than who they really were. You see, this is what hypocrisy really is. It's when you and I put on a mask We want other people and even ourselves to think that we are someone that we are not. And so Jesus, when he calls them hypocrites, he's saying, you've you've put on a mask. You're pretending. You're acting like you are clean. But deep down, you are dirty. Friends, I wonder how many of us this morning have come into this sanctuary or worshiping with us online and we're wearing a mask. And we spend our days even cleaning and polishing that mask so that others would look at us or we would even look at ourselves in the mirror and we would not truly see who we really are, but we'd only see this mask, this persona that we are projecting out that says, look, I'm not like the other people. I'm clean, I'm not dirty. Look, I've been, I've been cleaning myself as, as hard as I can, constantly washing my hands. 
I hate this dirty feeling of, of sin. It makes me feel icky, and yet I've put on a mask so that you wouldn't see just how broken and desperate I really am. This is hypocrisy, and Jesus smells it. And the truth is, every single one of us, we smell too. Philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said, I might believe in the Redeemer if his followers looked more redeemed. People today, their biggest gripe, especially in the Western world against Christianity, is it's filled with hypocrites. And the truth is, they're right, because we're all hypocrites. But you see, the great hypocrisy of the church today is not that the church is filled with sinners. The hypocrisy is that we would pretend that the church is not filled with sinners. Because if you look around, every single one of us is dirty or unclean. And that's good news. Because the church is exactly where a bunch of sinful, unclean people like you and me belong. We can find the cleanliness that is found only in Jesus the second thing I want us to see real quickly, I want us to see the poison of traditionalism. I want you to look with me at verse nine. Jesus went on, he said to the Pharisees, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. Again, these Pharisees were fixated more on their own tradition than God's word. And I want you to know there's a difference between just tradition in and of itself and traditionalism. In many ways, you could say that traditions are just neutral. In fact, they can be a good thing, a way that we pass down our faith and practice from generation to generation. The problem is when we take our traditions and we make them as more important than the word of God. When we cannot tell the difference between the traditions of our religious practice and God's word itself. That's what the Pharisees did. And so Jesus gives us an example of just how poisonous traditionalism can be. When we take man-made religion, we're more fixated on following our own rules and our own laws instead of the law of God. Verse 10, Jesus paints this picture. He says, Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles uh, father or mother must surely die. He's quoting the fifth commandment. It's one of the 10, word for word. But then Jesus goes on and he says, but you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever would be have gained for me is Corbin that is given to God, then you would no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Now, what is he talking about? Well, the idea of Corbin was something that was dedicated as a sacrificial offering to God. And so here's the scenario that Jesus is imagining. It's a conundrum between God's law and tradition. He's saying, look, we know that God's law, the fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. But suppose there's a man who has dedicated all of his possessions for the rest of his life to God. He's called it Corbin. He said, I'm going to give everything I have away. We would see that man and we'd say, that's a good thing. 
that is sacrificial. But then Jesus says, suppose now that man, his parents are aging and now they are in dire need. They need their son's help. What does the son do? I mean, he's declared all of his things to be given to God. And yet here it is, his parents now need his help. What does he do? And Jesus' point is, the Pharisees every single time would pick Corbin over the law of God because they couldn't tell the difference between their tradition and God's word. They would say, well, look, you're caught now. You're stuck in this thing that you promised. And it doesn't matter that now your aging parents are dying. Sorry. You need to follow the tradition of men. Jesus says this isn't the only kind of thing that you do, Pharisees. He says there are so many things like this. And before you and I cast a first stone, how often it is that we look to our own traditions. How often it is that we try to keep our own rules and we fail to see the heart of the law of God. A few weeks ago, an old acquaintance reached out to me. It's a parasitologist. Now, I know you might be thinking, wow, I mean, you have a lot of friends who are parasitologists. No, I don't. But it just so happens that I met this parasitologist right out of college. He was one of the founders of what's called the Bawa Health Initiative, an NGO that I went and volunteered out in the summer after I graduated. The Bawa Health Initiative is a NGO that's seeking to help this tiny village in sub-Saharan Africa in the country of Cameroon. And in Bawa, there's this little stream that goes through the village, a stream that should give life to the entire village, but what was happening is they used the stream for everything. And so the stream became dirty. They washed in the stream, they used the restroom in the stream, and they drank from the stream. And so what was supposed to give life became poisoned and it led to disease and death. This is what traditionalism can do to our Christianity friends. It becomes a poison. And it clouds us from seeing the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the third and final thing I want us to see. I want us to see the stain of sin. Verse 14, Jesus called the people to himself again. And he said, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. You see, the question that Jesus is ultimately asking is, what makes us sinful? Is it this sinful world that's outside of us, that tempts us? Is it all these things outside of us that if we can just avoid, if we can become a, a people who just says, this is what I don't do, and make Christianity into a list of don'ts. If I, if I can just do that and avoid all of these sinful things, does that make me clean? That's what the Pharisees thought. That if they could just keep themselves away from dirty things, they would be clean and undefiled. And what Jesus says is, look, it's not these things that go into you that defiles you. But what, what comes out of your heart 
Because what you don't realize is you are already dirty. The word defile here means to profane, to desecrate, to pollute. It literally means to stain. Now, I am not allowed in my house to clean stains anymore. Do you know why? Some of you might. You see, if you try to work too hard to get a stain out, do you know what it does? It sets in. I've done that a few times. You see, we used to have a rug in our living room. This rug in our living room was one of those natural fiber rugs, you know the kind? It's one of the first purchases we made after we got married, got it from Pottery Barn, so proud, right? Here's our natural fiber sisal rug. And it lasted actually quite a few years into having kids. And, and those of you who have children, you know this, that if you have young children, you need to hold on to your possessions loosely, right? They not, not really make it that long. And, and we had been through a, a few different spills, but nothing prepared us from the day that our youngest daughter got into the diaper cream. See, diaper cream, it feels really nice in your hands. I don't know when the last time it is that you touched diaper cream. I get it, but just go with me. It feels good, and it must have felt cool to her because she put it all over herself, and then she put it all over the rug. And the harder I tried to get it out, the worse it got. And so we bought a new rug. <laughs> Until about the second day, I let my kids have fruit punch in the living room. Yeah, you, you know, it's, we still have that one, by the way. The harder you work at trying to get a stain out, the worse it gets. That's what we do. That's what we do with our sin. We work so hard to try to get it out, and it just sets deeper into our souls. Because all the while we're trying to work the sin out of our own hearts, we are putting on a mask. Wanting other people to think that we have it all together as Christian people. We are holding to our own traditions and making the rules up as we go in our own favor so we could keep those ones. <laughs> and all the while, the stain of sin is setting. Jesus says in verse 21, from within, out of the heart of men come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. It's an exhaustive list. It's an exhaustive list because every single one of us is on it. The Apostle Paul uses a similar kind of list in 1 Corinthians 6. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, Adultery, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Who can clean themselves from sin like that? No one. But I want you to hear this morning what the Apostle Paul says. After he gives a very similar list, he says this. And such were some of you. In other words, this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, if you have counted him as your Lord and Savior, then this list is no longer your identity anymore. 
And so whatever one of these words that is now reverberating in your soul, maybe for you it's the sin of lust and sexual immorality. Maybe for you it's jealousy and coveting, wanting something that somebody else has. Maybe it's these intrusive, evil, and wicked thoughts. Maybe it's slander and gossip. Maybe it's pride. Whatever it is, Jesus says, it was your identity. But now that you have trusted in Jesus and are so belong to me, it's no longer your identity. Apostle Paul goes on, but you were washed. You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can wash away the stain of sin that has so defiled our hearts? Only Jesus. You see, because only Jesus sees right through our masks and still loves us. Only Jesus, his death on the cross is more powerful than any tradition that you and I could ever hold to. And only Jesus, though he was pure and undefiled, took on your sin and my sin. And he defiled himself on the cross so that all who trust in him would be made clean. Only Jesus. Brothers and sisters, friends, he died for you and he rose for you. So take off your masks. Leave behind empty tradition and come to the waters of Jesus and make yourselves clean through his body and blood broken and poured out for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to make us clean. We pray, Lord, that through our faith this morning that we would claim that cleanliness for us. Lord, if there's any part of us that's trying to continue to clean ourselves, would you help us to lay it down and to find true washing in the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.